welcome, listeners. Anar and Claire here with the host dispatch tapping in from the ether. <laughs> um, we are currently untethered and completely loose and like really weird. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because we have had the wonderful gift of reading voraciously between our AWP halls, our New Orleans halls, our independent bookstore day halls, the stacks of work we read just to keep up with the small press industry and the wonderful submissions we received for the chapbook prize. It's left our braids a little broken and (laughs) scrambled and feral in the best of ways, of course. Mm -hmm. But I had this like feeling of like, well, what's a poem? I just have (laughs) regressed so much. I like peaked transcended. I was like, this is love. This is life. Mm -hmm. This is poetry. Nothing else matters. And then I went all the way back to like being a newborn baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know what's happening. I love every poem as an experience, but yeah. It's a good place for us to come in to this subject today because we are broken. (laughs) We're broken in the best way. Um, It's not natural for our brains to read this much poetry. It's like people who bodybuild, (laughs) you know, it's like, sure, you can do that. That can be a life. But wow, it's not normal. (laughs) Um, We're doing that with our brains and poetry. So we're feeling wily and crazy and asking a lot of seemingly stupid questions uh, like, what the hell is a line break? (laughs) I don't think I know anymore, although hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll get to the bottom of it. And with that said, I I suppose I'll also mention at this juncture that Anar and I are not experts and we are not teachers or professors of any kind. We run a small press and like Anar just said, we, we read a ton of poetry. So, you know, we have an experiential expertise and you can take that for what it's worth. <laughs> we'll make no grand claims today to know cut and dry what makes a good line break, but hopefully we'll have some more ideas. Oh my gosh. I, I hope this is the birth of a of a little series, Claire, because mm-hmm. it's it's thrilling to return to questions that you might think are just so simple as poetry lovers. Um things like what the hell is a line break? Um, And like, what is a poem? (laughs) Why is a poem? And yeah, this feels very organic in our genuine question of, well, what is a line break? Um, What is happening here on the page? Why is it happening? I agree. I could see this as a series and uh, we'll we'll see how this goes. You know, maybe we'll learn something new about ourselves and that we do have a lot to say about these poetic elements that seem so simple and yet there are entire classes taught on them. Uh, So, you know, maybe we'll give ourselves doctorates. Yeah, please, (laughs) you guys give me a doctorate. Yeah, I'll take one. (laughs) I'll take it. Okay, so yeah, what the hell is a line break? Well, we can start out with just the line break as we know and love it, as we learn it, and it's tradition, it's following form. Yes. We see it in the sonnet, we see it in the haiku. One of my favorites is the tanka. And 
you know, those have rules that you have to follow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've had the gift of contemporary writers that are just incredible artists and innovative. Take those rules and bend them and shape them into something new. But the point is that there is a structure that you follow Mm. with those. I don't love to read formal poetry, um, but I'm always surprised when I do at how much I I receive from that experience because there is something really interesting about things like iambic pentameter, the Shakespearean sonnet that sounds, you know, it sounds quite dull (laughs) to me. But then I read a few and realize that within the constraint of having to have that many syllables in a line, someone has created a beautiful line with language that is sometimes completely unexpected and and full of life. Um, that's a beautiful feat in and of itself. Yeah, I, I'm always amazed by writers who stay within the confines of tradition and form and specific structure and hitting certain line breaks and rhymes or, you know, or mm. stresses, because it always feels like a miracle happened mm-hmm. when they do a really great job. And there's something really special about it. But it's also something that I personally have not sought out as someone who is just a wild, <laughs> a wild feral creature. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's our right as non-academics to read whatever the hell we want. And, and that's fun, but it's also fun to, to be a self-taught reader of poetry and sometimes to go back and read. Uh, we read Yates on the last episode oh with Joe and that was such a treat. Yeah, I'm a convert now. Mm-hmm. I'm questioning everything. Um, <laughs> but yes, there's there's so much tradition in the line break, and there's so many rules that you could encounter writing in form. And and I guess I'll also say that an idea I'm interested in that a lot of people firmly believe, and I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, is that the breaking of the lines, lineation, as we call it, is the actual defining characteristic of what makes poetry poetry. Mm. Now, contemporary poets absolutely do not abide by that rule. It's an old school thought that I kind of like, but I also wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket because there's plenty of quote unquote prose poetry that I've read and been floored by. And, you know, that that feeling of the top of your head flying off, that's what makes Mm. poetry poetry in my heart of hearts. That's what I believe. And so it really doesn't matter what the line is doing uh, or what shape it is. But I do like the idea that the broken line is the original birthplace of poetry. Um, And we're all broken. So (laughs) how could you not relate to that? Yeah, that's the thing. Like you were saying at the top in our week, don't know how to define poetry. It's a weird thing to say, but it's true in that even at the graduate level, it's a conversation that's taking place in class regularly. So it's worth mentioning that one potential idea is that breaking the lines, it's as simple as that. But I don't think we're going to claim that as our, our personal belief. We don't have to claim anything. Yes, I'm all for not claiming anything. Um, you and I had this really great conversation a couple of weeks ago about the pressures of publishing and like the fear of being cornered or defined by who we are and the poems we write today. Mm-hmm. And it feels like with the pandemic and with 
current events, evolution of us just being humans and artists, like it's like sped up a bit. So the poems that we wrote a month ago may no longer speak to us today. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're strong advocates. Uh, Don't commit to absolutely (laughs) anything (laughs) except for the love. Yeah, except for the love. But it's a good a good point you make about feeling unhinged as a person and as a society. And I feel like free verse poetry Mm -hmm. really reflects that. And that's what people write um, for the most part. So in free verse poetry, I suppose form becomes shape, right? We talk about it more as the shapes that the poems take because they aren't adhering to particular forms. And those are the kinds of line breaks we've been reading lately. And those are the kind of line breaks I think we're going to talk about today. Yeah. I've always been one that loves, you know, I'm a Capricorn, <laughs> Capricorn cellium, a super Capricorn, if you will. <laughs> I love order when I see poetry on the page, which makes me kind of a boring person. I love just eyeballing something on the page and seeing some sort of just tightness. Um, Even if it spreads across the page, I love like consistency. But in reading as voraciously as I have been and loving all sorts of poems that do the wildest things on the page, it has Mm -hmm. had me asking myself, you know, what makes this work? What makes this free verse piece make sense? And like, what is it that I love about it? And I've discovered that one of my favorite things about my favorite poems tends to be the like rapidity of it. Ah. I love being pushed through a page. This sense of urgency and it's a tension, but it's a very fast moving tension, which is weird because I write without that kind of energy. Mm. Um my own work doesn't have that, but I just loved being pushed through a book. Mm. That's an interesting set of preferences. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think your love for the shape and for the order and consistency in terms of line length, I'm assuming, um, that's more of a visual thing, right? Mm-hmm. And perhaps that's not your main preference when it comes to the reading of the poems, because I agree something that we think about as publishers is what the poems look like on the page. And that is absolutely not the end all be all to what a poem can be and what it is supposed to be, especially when you're writing it. But it's something we have to consider. And you're also a graphic designer. So it makes sense to me that the Mm -hmm. the visual aesthetic of the poem when it comes to length of the lines is your first entry point to whether you think you're going to like it or not. (laughs) Yeah, that's... That's your first uh, introduction to sometimes a writer, but always the poem. And, uh, you know, introductions are important. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So what are some elements in free verse that Mm. you've noticed in in the breaking of a line? Well, I think of lines in terms of sets or dualities. So we have the end stop versus the enjambment. So the end stop line is like a phrase. It might even end on a piece of punctuation. 
but it's a full phrase. The meaning is understandable without having to go to the next line and read. So I feel like when I'm reading lines that end stop, those poems make me feel more at ease. I don't really have to turn my poetry brain on, my crazy feral poetry brain. I can be in my prose brain a little bit um, reading those poems. But that's one camp. And then there's enjambment, which I think you see more often, to be fair, to varying degrees, right? You can intersplice these together in a poem over and over again, and poets do all the time. But enjambment is when it doesn't end with a piece of punctuation and the phrase or the clause has been broken, the syntax is broken. And so if you take the line by itself, it doesn't really make any sense. Mm-hmm. Or alternatively, it makes a different kind of sense than what your brain is used to mm-hmm. making. Or it breaks the syntax open so that when you do connect to the next line, you're shocked by what comes next. It's my fav- one of my favorite things that poets do because it's full of so much surprise, like I said, but also playfulness and mischievousness. Sometimes it's downright sinister. These line breaks can be sinister, (laughs) what it does, because it sets your brain up to believe a certain kind of meaning is forthcoming. And then you travel down to the next line and it blows your sense of meaning all apart. Little fake outs, you know, is kind of how I think about it. (laughs) Yes. Those always feel like I'm a big puzzles nerd. And that always feels like I'm getting to play on the page. Mm -hmm. Um, I love those. We we find a lot of that happening in in our chapbook, The Water and Audible, mm-hmm. um, which is what made me fall in love with that manuscript. Yeah, Stephanie does a really great job of just pushing you from one line to the next for the entire book. Oh, yeah. She absolutely is beyond disruptive of your not just meaning making, but what a sentence can do. And I used the word sinister, and that's exactly what the effect is in that book without giving too much away. If you haven't read it yet, um, you can pick up your copy at hostpublications.com. <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's absolutely sinister because there are sinister things going on in the poems, and you don't always feel prepared for them by the lines mm. that proceed. So yeah, it's a really good example of, of enjambment. You know, it keeps the mystery alive. (laughs) But that said, I think about poets who don't use a lot of enjambment, who break their poems with more end stops or more clausal breaks. And and you do get to relax a little bit. And that's a mood, right? That's a Mm -hmm. whole mood for poetry that I'm into and sometimes want. And especially when it is effectively working with like the contents of the poem or whatever else the poem is trying to do. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to talk any trash on the end stop line. Yeah. Um, Do you have any examples of a poem with end stops for us today? Yeah, I think I do. (laughs) Stack of books. Oh my gosh. Um, Listeners, you cannot see, but Claire just pulled out an enormous stack of books um, out of nowhere, thin air. <laughs> this is a cartoon. We're going to go old school and we're going to go to page 77 of Ariel to one of my favorite Sylvia Plath poems. So this does kind of feel like school now because <laughs> we're, we're reading Sylvia Plath. But um, one of the reasons I love this poem is it's six lines long. It's so short. They're all couplets. So, Nar, you'd love it. It's nice and tidy. (gasps) 
I love a neat poem. And it's based on a tarot card. (laughs) So this poem is called The Hanging Man. And I'll go ahead and read it in such a way so that you can tell that these are end stopped lines. I'll take a nice little pause at the end of each line. So here's The Hanging Man by Sylvia Plath. By the roots of my hair, some god got hold of me. I sizzled in his blue volts like a desert prophet. The nights snapped out of sight like a lizard's eyelid. A world of bald white days in a shadeless socket. A vulturous boredom pinned me in this tree. If he were I, he would do what I did. Oh, my gosh. It's a really creepy little poem. Yeah. But yes, I mean, each line is either a full sentence of its own or a full clause. So the syntax is fully intact. Yeah. So that's a good example of end stop lines that I think are very successful. Thank you for reading that example of an end stop from Sylvia Platt's Ariel, Claire. Thank you. Um, I wanted to give an example of an enjambment um, from one of our very own chapbooks, mm-hmm. uh, Little Girl Blue, Poems by Sequoia Maynard. Yes. And the poem that I'm going to excerpt will be the first stanza of Little Girl Blue, A Prelude. And I'll do a little stop at the end of the lines to give it some space so that you can hear where that line breaks. Little Girl Blue, you blued your horn of... Morning and warning into whirlwind and pollen squalls, you asked, where are we going to get clean, the lake or the stream, in the break or in the dream, or somewhere, someplace in between? It's really bold of a poet to break the first line of the first poem in their book on the word of. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's a real whiplash of a line break. <laughs> Blued your horn of morning and warning into whirlwind and. But, you know, it does that that thing that I mentioned earlier. It builds. Mm-hmm. I sensed it in my body as I read it out loud of like it pushed me through all the way to the very end, which is or somewhere, someplace break in between. Um, It drives you to the next line. And you blew your horn of, like, that is just like, (laughs) okay. You ask yourself, like, of what? We've got a horn, we've got a sound, we've got a little girl blue, and then mourning and warning to follow. Yes. That's the anticipation it builds. That's the mystery that gets resolved after the breaking at of. Mm-hmm. That's what makes the break good <laughs> is mourning and warning. So you're not just getting a sensation of meaning of, oh, mourning and warning. You're also getting the sounds of it. It's really masterful. You know, this is going to throw a wrench into the whole podcast, <laughs> Claire. The line break is just as important as the line beginning. And mm-hmm. they really feed in, obviously, they feed into one another. Um, and so that's an element of consideration that I didn't even 
prepare、mm-hmm. to talk about today because I was like, we're talking about the ends of lines, but <laughs> but something comes after the ends of lines most of the time. Well, you can't talk about just the breaks. You know, I know we're、mm-hmm. trying our best to isolate it, but it is an element that is always collaborating with all of the other. Poetic elements: the beginning of the line, the beginning of the line that comes next, the sounds, the rhythm. It is rhythm. It's a piece of rhythm. It's so many things. But to your point, I think also in talking about line breaks, you have to talk about the art of the line itself.、Mm-hmm. And so, I love enjambment because then you get a line that you can take out of the context of the poem and just read like this. Morning and warning into whirlwind and it's weird and maybe some people would just be irritated by that because it doesn't give them what they want, which is meaning.、Mm-hmm. But morning and warning into whirlwind and even ending on the and it it gives the sensation of there's more, there's more. Here it comes. It's really、mm-hmm. beautiful to me. Taken out of context. I want lines, even if they don't make any sense at all, to have a kind of beauty in and of themselves. And it's maybe not realistic that every single line in your poem is going to be this little piece of art. But I think that if that's your goal when you're breaking lines in your poem, your line breaks are going to kick ass.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's personally how I have always approached the line break、um, as someone who. You know who's 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 learned and loved poetry through simply reading and has not had much guidance.、Um, is that I've always felt like, you know, each line either carries you forward、mm-hmm. to this beautiful idea, or that it can hopefully sustain itself.、Mm-hmm. And that's not always sustainable, depending on what you're trying to do with a poem. But that's always kind of like my beginning. The place where I begin with a line.、Mm-hmm. Um, That's another key element of of what people do with line breaks is is momentum,、mm-hmm. staccato or legato. Another little duality is the staccato line breaks are the short ones that kind of give you whiplash because it's breaking on these words that you you just can't your brain can't really quite. Piece it together until you read through the whole thing like a puzzle,、mm-hmm. and then there's the legato lines and everything in between as well. But I love that idea of the the line that's just building momentum and speed as it gets longer and longer. That's kind of、um, to use a word that I love to use in poetry is kind of metal. Sometimes <laughs> one of the other books in my stack, at least it's very metal in that book where. The length of the line is absurd. Like it just spills over. It, it's like it can't be stopped. That's how swift the momentum is. So I think that like speed is is another element to it.、Hmm. I don't even know if this is the conversation for this, but Claire, what is happening when there's these little gaps in one line?、Hmm. I was taught to. Call them sejuras. Oh my god, that was the hip thing to say in school. But the sejura is so confounding. And if someone、mm-hmm. was a true lover of formal poetry, things like sejuras would just—it's like salt in the wound, you know.、Mm-hmm. It's like it's like free verse just 
being as wild as it can be, I think of it as like a little cheat. Um, it's a pocket of air. It's a pocket of space. It's a breath. It's a visual hole in the page, mm-hmm. but it's also a way to have a line break without having a line break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I feel like, yeah, this is the era of the sejura. Am I saying that right? Sejura, I, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. You know how to read it because like you said, it's this pocket. It's like a void almost. Mm. It creates this space for, at least when I'm reading it, the space for other thoughts or for questions or for absence to really fester. Um, (laughs) And then we have (laughs) another line and then another gap. And and that'll just keep happening. Um, Yeah. It's like there are moments when I think it's very directly conceptually linked to the poem. So there'll be like a line that's the speaker is in the poem is describing bird song coming in through the window. And then there's a gap and then the line continues. So you almost have a space where you get to imagine bird song being there. Mm. So there's that where you're like, ah, I see what you did there. And then there's times when it's just they're just holes <laughs> and whatever is supposed to happen or not supposed to happen in that space is, is not clear. Um, and I think that's really disruptive in a way that I like, because when we're reading a poem, there's, there's the words in the page. It's not prose. Sometimes it's not even sentences. And so you're getting this mental, visual, lingual sensation the whole time. And so I feel like the pockets or the scissors are just there to like allow space for that to happen. Hmm. Do you have um, any examples in your enormous pile of books of a Sejura that you love and respect? I bet. I bet I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Mistaken for Loud Comets, Lily Somerson's book that we published. There are a few Sejuras in there. Yeah. I remember uh, encountering these poems first when they read them at our ice cream social in Portland Mm -hmm. at AWP a few years ago. And then it was wild to see a few of them that they read at that reading on the page. Um, And I think not to discredit Lily, I mean, these poems are really complex, but I think actually in How to Write Your Inmate, which is the first poem where there are scissors, I think they're doing it in a really simple way. I think that Lily's strategy, as far as I can tell in this poem, is that kind of surrogate line break or another way mm-hmm. to think of it is the breath, the pause. And I believe that's how they read this poem as well. So I'll just read the first line and I'll pause where the scissora is. Do not use staples or paper clips within your letter to your inmate. Do not use marker, crayon, glitter. So there's that pause after inmate or there's that sejura after inmate, which for me, it's it's acting like a period, essentially, because it's mm. a new sentence that starts after it. So I don't know. How do you feel about that? I feel like it's deceptively simple. I love that. I remember the first time that I, I heard this poem that there's the title and then there's that first portion before the sejura that allowed me to prepare myself for what came after or mm. allowed for the the thoughts or the feelings of just a statement of how to write your inmate and that you can't use things that you would 
expect to be able to use. Um, And then just kind of preparing myself for every line. And it does build. It does. This one thing I'll say without reading the entire poem out loud is that there's one caesura per line until you get halfway down the poem and then it starts to be two and they actually get bigger. So the silences, so to speak, Mm. are accumulating and widening. We were talking about momentum a second ago and long lines. These are page length lines. They break like prose, Um, but it doesn't have that wild run on sentence, pushing you forward momentum that I sometimes associate with that. It's a really peaceful, calm Mm. poem. And that's the way Lily reads it. And so I feel like the scissors add that in. You don't get to rush through because you're getting stopped Mm -hmm. without having a break. So I guess my question is, and this is a this is a different episode. Perhaps our next episode needs to be about the thing we don't really want to talk about, which is prose poems. Because why is this poem lineated like prose? Mm-hmm. Is a question I don't have an answer to. Mm. It sounds like we have a future episode to think about. I, I don't know if we have time to talk about this, Claire, but what makes a line break bad in your personal experience Mm. as a poetry editor? What makes a line break not work? Um, Because we do come across line breaks that we find to be unsuccessful and have suggestions on how to make them successful. May I share a personal anecdote? Yes, please. Okay. I did have a chance when I was doing my MFA to have a sit-down chat one-on-one with Michael Wiegers from Copper Canyon it was scary and frankly, not very fun. But um, he had plenty of criticism for me about my line breaks at that point, And as he should have, because all he had to do to make me crumble was to ask me, why are your lines broken this way? And I did not have an answer. Mm-hmm. And specifically, he was asking about why they were broken clausally or where the punctuation would or could be. I was actually just trying to be more orderly, I think is the actual answer, but I didn't have that answer even for him at the time. I had no clue what I was doing, which is embarrassing. But I went, what did I do? I went home, I rebroke my lines and I started writing new poems and really paying attention to my line breaks. So at least that (laughs) embarrassment served a purpose and they publish all different kinds of poets at Copper Canyon. I don't think that they favor a particular kind of of form or or Mm -hmm. or poet but but i think intentionality is what i'm always looking for as an editor is i'm looking for the why of it and that why doesn't have to be super easy to define sometimes you just know there's intention behind this even if i can't quite get it yet but a lot of times i feel like line breaks just feel random And that's not to say that it breaks in a weird place, because I like it when they break in a weird place. Usually they don't. Mm -hmm. It's just that sometimes it doesn't feel intentional, um, whatever that means in the context of that specific poet's work, you know? Yeah, I, I do feel like when you really think about intention when you're writing a poem, it makes you feel strongly about it and you can defend yourself and 
And you will have an answer to the question as to why, Mm -hmm. Um, even if you're just like, I feel it in a different universe, in a different reality. This is the right place. Mm -hmm. I feel it just deep in my bones, whatever poetic answer you have. But if you really do think about your line breaks, you begin to understand, I guess, yourself and your your song and your rhythm um, just a little bit deeper. Because let's say you're you're doing automatic writing and it's meant to be as surreal as possible and your line breaks are bizarre and your lines are all over the place. Well, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why you're doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. If you really sit down and, and think, well, the reason I'm breaking my lines this way is because I feel like this is how poetry should break lines or this is what, you know, this is just the first thing that I thought of. Those aren't really good reasons. And you'll know yourself better as a poet if you just think about it. Mm-hmm. And and maybe you, you have a reason you just haven't figured out what it is yet and you need to think about it for that purpose. But but yeah, I think that's that's the main thing is that it's going to be different, right? Different poets different strokes, (laughs) different styles. And so it's, it's whenever the breaks just feel kind of haphazard or unintentional that they, they don't come off as um, particularly meaningful or eloquent. Hmm. How about you? Do you have a, what's like, what's a pet peeve? Do you have a pet peeve about line breaks? So many pet peeves. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm very, I'm very musical. You know, with a background in music, um, I always think to myself that music is my first language as someone who grew up bilingual. It's a universal language and poetry does have a musicality to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And if a a line or a stanza breaks in a way that like the rhythm that is set up is unsatisfying, but it doesn't disrupt it for, you know, for a reason or it it feels incomplete, then I... I struggle with feeling satisfied by it. But you you and I have had some really great conversations lately and I foresee in the future about the power of disruption, about the power of, of you know, something maybe not satisfying me because uh-huh. why the hell should it? You know, the, the power is in the writer. Yeah. And I trust the writer to give me a specific experience. And so with, um, you know, Emerging writers or blossoming writers or young writers, sometimes you can see, I can notice this disruption that is not, they they might not be aware of. Um, And then there's room for editing or helping a writer achieve a more satisfying, I'm doing like air quotes, you guys, a satisfying (laughs) uh, stanza or line. Um, But with some seasoned writers that I have a lot mm. of respect for, some of the more experimental writers, um, I'm starting to see that this is a very deliberate choice and there's absolutely a movement. Um, yes. Disjunction. Dismemberment, as I like mm. to call it. Mm. <laughs> yes. I know you were going to talk about Silent Refusal, which is a collection of essays that we're both currently reading. Yes. I think I'll just say that there was a really cool concept in a chapter I just read about line breaks, specifically about enjambment that blew my mind and I couldn't not share it on this episode. But I also just wanted to, yeah, credit um, Christina Marie Darling, who wrote this incredible 
a collection of essays called Silent Refusal, essays on contemporary feminist writing, specifically poetry. And she talks about enjambment as a way of disrupting the way we, quote unquote, normally make sense of things. And that in in our language, in our syntax that we that we use to speak and make sense to one another every day, there are actually patriarchal philosophies based on the history of Western philosophy that is embedded in our grammar and the way that we make sense of the world. And that I have always been a wily poet. I want to break your neck with my line breaks. I want to freak you out. I don't want my poems to make sense. I just had that impulse and that urge from a young age without really knowing why. But now that I can contextualize it, and I think I had already started to just from learning more about the surrealist movement and how surrealism butted up against or disrupted structures of power, right? That already made sense to me, but specifically now to think about my own language as a way to dismantle like a patriarchal philosophy. You better believe I'm about to write the weirdest poems you've ever read. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys, I'm screaming in my body. I'm so excited. Isn't that the coolest? That is, it's really thrilling. And if you're listening and you've made it this far, first of all, oh my God, what are you doing here? <laughs> Second of all, you have to pick up Silent Refusal. It's published through Black Ocean. Um, we're booksellers at Melbourne Books, so come and get it. Mm -hmm. But it's really thrilling to to read these essays and think about the poetry that we know and love, as well as our own work within this context, because, yeah, we're not really good rule followers, uh, and we're angry. Yes. And the page is the most wonderful place to put it. Yeah, and you mentioned another concept from the book about the structure of power within the writer-reader dynamic and who who has the power. And I feel like, yeah, the less of a normal, quote-unquote normal sensibility the poem has, the more power is in the writer's hands. And I'm also interested in that idea. So mm -hmm. I think uh, we may do an episode on this book once we finish this, this little collection because it's blowing our minds. It's like, Blowing our minds, but I, I messaged Claire the other day that my heart is soaring. Mm -hmm. I just feel so liberated by some of the ideas expressed here. And it's giving us full license to be total weirdos. That's what it's doing. It's validating us. Oh my God. <laughs> you guys, we're sick. We're unwell. We need help. And this book is like, just have at it, you guys. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and that was something that I found really freeing at... AWP this year. I know we haven't really talked about our experience on the podcast, but there's this wonderful, it feels like a subtle movement. Maybe it's not so subtle, but there's more room for, for the wily and the weird and the disruptive. Yeah. And that's really thrilling and really comforting um, to have this. No one needs permission. If you're listening, you don't need permission. It all falls into place just keep writing. It all makes sense, even if it, if you don't have words for it, but yeah, um, there's that, there's this comfort that I felt at AWP just going to call out black sun lit is a lit mag that I picked up there that I was really, I fell in love with. Um, there's people out there who are 
making it strange. Mm-hmm. And that's what we like. Um, yeah. It's part of what we like. We, you know, we contain multitudes. <laughs> it's it's a personal preference, but it's it's one among many. And uh, yeah. there's always something new to learn about poetry. There's always something new to learn about what you like. Um, so I, that's also why I want to make it strange, because I want to see, like, how far can we push those boundaries, baby? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. So I don't think that we answered what the hell is a line break, except mm. maybe with have some intention and be mm-hmm. the wild creatures that you are. Yeah. Yeah. It can be, it can be many things. I feel like for the baby writers and for myself as a baby writer, it, it was song. Mm-hmm. And and that's a great place to start with poetry, too, is song. If you think about musicality and you think about rhythm and you think about breath, you're already leaps and bounds ahead of the game. Whether you are a narrative poet or a surreal poet or a language poet, I feel like the line break originates in the kind of song that you're trying to make. That's my spiel. Oh, I love it. I think that's the perfect spot to end. This was really fun. And yes. I think we've we've earned our PhDs. We can expect them anytime in the mail. Uh, no, seriously, I want to do another one of these with you. So thanks for hanging. Me too. You can ship my PhD to the office. Um, you can find that P.O. Box. <laughs> P.O. Box. <laughs> on our website. Um, yeah, I'm just so grateful that we have the space to bend so far backwards that we're born again (laughs) in this job that we love so dearly. Mm, Well said. All right. If you're listening, please tell us what the hell a line break is um, in the comments. (laughs) Until next time. All right. Until next time. Mm -hmm.